there's a guy here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? Welcome back. We are three weeks away from England being allowed to reopen and restrictions get lifted. But for some people, that's just not soon enough. Hundreds and thousands of people turned up to protest pretty much anything they could think of. Some were armed with signs that make absolutely no sense. Let's rate them. When you wake up, you don't know if you're still in a dream. Rule number one of the theater. Sometimes you want to stay in that dream. A dream that becomes your reality. Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts <coughs> shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I am almost caught up to season six of Line of Duty. Hi, I'm producer Dave. I haven't been watching Line of Duty, but I have completed watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or should I say, Yay! or should I call it by its new name now, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Don't spoil it for people who haven't watched it. That's their tough. That's, 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 that's tough, true. That's their tough titty. You, they need yeah. to watch it, you know, and then they can Not see the reason why it's gone that way. So you agree, right? You, you agree that Captain America and the Winter Soldier is a great TV show? I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's honestly, it is fantastic. I really, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the last um, episode. Um, I, straight after watching the last episode, I went and I watched this. I'm not even going to name the, the name of the YouTube channel, but he, he was very, I, I, I liked, I originally liked watching that YouTube channel because the guy was funny. But then I started noticing a trend and a pattern in his videos and it tended to lean towards I guess more of the, you know, the misogynistic and more to, it's okay. Saying it's misogynistic is playing into his, into his gripe. He's not misogynistic, but there's a clear streak of he's irked about women getting roles in, in, in films and TV shows. Same thing with people of color, um, except a certain few. And that's the thing as well. He, he, his lean back or his crutch is always the fact that he's always going back onto, uh, oh, that's not the case because I liked people like Ellen Ripley from Alien and, uh, and uh, you know, um, what's her name? Sarah Connor from the original Terminator movies. And it's like, yeah, trust me. I, those are, that's the equivalent of saying, well, I have a black friend, I can't be racist. So that's why I don't really like watching his channel. But I still watch it every now and again just to keep my myself level. And I watched his take on Falcon and Winter Soldier. And true to form, it was exactly what I was expecting, which was the... In fact, we, we have to spend another time talking about this because I'm going to okay, go on a full you. rant. Yeah, I'm going to full <laughs> rant on that as well. And the reason I can't do it on, on this episode is because we're already jam-packed with loads of fun guests on today's 
show. So we've got a friend of the show who we haven't spoken to in ages, Katrina Gray, who's coming back in to talk about Daytime Nightmare. We have a comedian, Smiley Dave from Smiley Dave UK, who's going to be talking about his uh, his comedy, which is on YouTube. It's not on YouTube. It's on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. So without any further ado, let's jump straight into film and TV news. <laughs> You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And uh, the Oscars was last week. And like I've always said, I've, I've always warned people, never put money on my choices for winners in any of these award com- uh, competitions. But I'm going to do a victory lap for the one that I got, which was best supporting actor or best actor in a supporting role, which went deservedly to Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. He beat, he beat out uh, Sasha Baron Cohen for uh, Trial of Chicago 7, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Paul Racy for Sound of Metal, and uh, Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, which he should never have been nominated in that category. He should have been nominated for Best Actor. Uh, which, funnily that- enough, Funnily enough, let's jump to the best actor category because yes, that kind of that's a sparked. that's a good interesting one because um, yes. the first time the same best actor won for both BAFTA and the Oscar. Is this is this the first time in a while, right? I think so. Yeah, so I think it's the first time ever to be honest. So, uh, best actor in a leading role, the nominations, not including Lakeith Stanfield, which uh, producer Dave. It has as a thorn in his side the fact that he's not been nominated in as best actor. But you had Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal. You had Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. You had Anthony Hopkins for The Father. You had Gary Oldman for Mank and Stephen Yuen for Minari. Stephen Yuen, I always forget his name, and I always, uh, I always remember him as Glenn from Walking Dead, and now as the voice of Invincible in the uh, animated show on uh, Amazon Prime, Invincible. Now, my prediction was that uh, Chadwick Boseman was going to take it for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I think everyone thought that as well. Everyone thought that as well. Anthony Hopkins then takes it, and there's now a huge fury on Twitter. Whether you want to, you want to, you know, validate arguments that happen on Twitter or not, there is a there is a sizable contingent that is arguing that Chadwick Boseman should have taken it instead of Anthony Hopkins for The Father. I personally haven't seen The Father, so I have no idea whether or not his performance was any good. A lot of people who have seen it have said his performance was excellent and it's well-deserving of that particular role. Producer Dave, do you have any standing in any position that you stand on this particular argument? None whatsoever, because I haven't seen either either film. So, you know, I mean, I know it was expected that Chadwick was going to win it as a posthumous award. A lot of people have said it's one of his finest works, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. but like I said, I haven't seen it, so I can't really give an honest opinion. The only opinion I will give is that the Keith Stanfield should have been one of those nominated in that category, even though oh. I get the feeling that he wasn't going to get win it anyway. Okay, so that's fine. So you so you feel that he should have at least been nominated for that uh, for that role, uh, of, you know, for the role in Judas and the Black Messiah. 
uh, even though he didn't, he got pushed into best supporting actor. And so this, least, yeah. st- still, I still can't understand why they put both of them in the same category. Uh, you know, it, it is just mind-bogglingly. See, if I were to hypothesize, and I think I hypothesized this the last time we spoke about it, again, take my opinion with a pinch of salt because I'm an idiot. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, but um, I, I think the reason they put him in the best sporting character category, it's one of those things where, uh, again, it's like it's, 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 the, it's the problem with organization, right? So it's like a lot of people that believe in conspiracy theories and whatnot, the, the whole reason why they believe in conspiracy theories is because they feel that there is there are very smart, manipulative people in the background working the strings to work something. This is kind of the opposite. I think this is the, the Oscars nomination and, and people being put in different positions. I don't think it is even smart. I don't want to say, I don't want to say they're not smart people. I want to say that they don't have that technical prowess of being able to dance the string, pull the strings to make the puppet dance as well as, you know, you would expect it to be. I think it's more along the lines of something like they're just basically reacting. It's knee jerk reaction. Something has been put in front of them. Let me do something. And they do something. And that's what it is. And that's always kind of how it always goes, right? It's like when they nominate people that they want to nominate. And then when you stand back and look at all the nominations and all the nominations tend to be white and male, and then people complain and the knee jerk reaction is throw some women in there, throw some black men in there and so on. Right. It's kind of a knee jerk reaction. And I'm not before anybody starts saying anything, I am not discounting any of the performances by women or, or, or men or, you know, races and whatnot. I'm not doing that. I'm just talking about how Oscars tend to react to these things. So they go overboard as a knee-jerk reaction. So I think in this situation, it was a case of um, they, you know, they, they, they were faced with two problems. They were faced with the problem of Chadwick Boseman delivering a blistering performance and they wanted to have him be nominated for, uh, for that role, for, black, uh, for his role in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Maybe even they had the designs for him to have the posthumous Oscar award because that was the idea. Now, the problem is Lakeith Stanfield creates that problem for them because he gave a blistering performance in Judas and the Black Messiah. I thought his performance was amazing in that film. He is, he carried it with all, with so much subtlety. Lakeith Stanfield is, he caused a problem. He, he did what every actor should do when they step into a casting room. They cause a problem for the casting director. He caused a problem. So if they put him in the best actor category, the problem then becomes, okay, which of these two people do we give the Oscar to? If we give it to uh, Chadwick Boseman, people are going to complain that it's because he's dead. That's why we're giving it to him. If we give it to Lakeith Stanfield, then we don't get to give it to Chadwick Boseman for such a blistering performance. So as a knee-jerk reaction, they made the wrong choice. And they said, shove him into best supporting category. Problem with, with that is, Again, Daniel Kaluuya causes them a problem by giving them, giving them a blistering performance in Judas and the Black Messiah. So he's already going into the best supporting character category and they figure, you know what, we can deal with that issue, just lump both of them in there together. And then when that problem comes out, they just say, look, we're not going to deal with that. We have a bigger problem coming along the lines because we have Chadwick Boseman that we're going to give the best supporting actor or best actor to 
Um, and then we just, we'll, that's what we have to do. We have to let people vote or let the Oscar contingent, the, whoever votes for the Oscars, let them sort that out. We know that Chadwick Boseman is going to get it and then they keep it that way. So we'll just not focus on the best supporting actor category. I think that's the problem. I think that's what happened there. They shunted Lakeith Stanfield into the best supporting actor category because they didn't want to have to deal with pitting him against Chadwick Boseman in that situation. Fast forward to when the Oscar nominations or the Oscar votes then come through. And I, I don't know who's in the Oscar pool, who's, who's uh, you know, I think it's all people who are in the, um, in, in the who were welcomed into the uh, Academy of, uh, you know, American Academy of Arts or whatever, whatever the name is. Sorry, it's escaped my mind. But, you know, if you win or if you get invited in to become part of that group, you get the chance to vote on the Oscars on what, you know, which film should win in that particular, or which film or which actor should win in that particular category. Now, overwhelmingly, it's, well, I, I don't know overwhelmingly, I don't know what the, the scores are, but obviously the votes then went to Anthony Hopkins rather than Chadwick Boseman. Who knows why that went? Because everything was geared towards Chadwick Boseman getting it and Anthony Hopkins picked it up. So again, I haven't seen The Father. I don't know how great his performance is. I know Anthony Hopkins is a fantastic, he's a, not even a fa fantastic, he's a phenomenal actor. So it's kind of like, it's a thing where I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if I watch it and I see and I say, yes, you know, he's fantastic in it. What I do think, and again, please don't put any money on my opinions because I'm just an idiot. I think this is going to be one of those kind of situations where in 10 years from now, the conversation that's going to be had is, can you believe Chadwick Boseman didn't win an Oscar in, 2000, in 2021? Somebody else won it. We can't remember who won it. We have to go and do research. And then they see it's uh, Anthony Hopkins and it becomes, really? It's kind of like putting in the same argument as Pulp Fiction losing out to um, uh, Forrest Gump. However you want to argue it, there, that is the conversation is being had now. When you look back, you think films like Pulp Fiction lost against that. You say something like uh, Do the Right Thing lost against Driving Miss Daisy. You say something like um, uh, Black Klansman lost against Green, um, Green Book. That's basically where this particular decision is going to go into in, in history. It's going to be in 10 years from now, people are going to look back on 2021 and say, why did Chadwick Boseman lose to Anthony Hopkins? That's not sure about that one because uh, really, basically, um, uh, Anthony Hopkins has gone down as the oldest recipient sure. of the Oscar. He's eighty, so he's the oldest recipient of the Best Actor Oscar. But anyway, moving on. What about the other the other categories? Other categories. So let's jump to other categories. I mean, we talk about um, uh, best director, right? So um, who who won for best director? It was Chloe Zhao, if I'm not mistaken. Chloe Zhao won it for Nomadland. Um, and now I'm not great with statistics uh, or with uh, with the records and everything else. Producer Dave, you might have done the research on this. I don't know if I, I'm just throwing you under the bus. I don't know if you have. Um, how many women have won Best Director? I know there was a, two. there was a, it's two, right? So it's two. So there was a big, um, there was a big mention of it when Catherine Bigelow won yeah. a few years ago for Hurt Locker because she beat Avatar, right? So I know that she won it and I don't know how many women won it before her, but you're saying 
she's the first woman to win it. And now Chloe Zhao is now the second woman to win it. It's it's amazing. Again, Nomadland is something I haven't seen. Um, however, I've heard great things about it. Obviously, um, you know, it's not just, not she didn't just pick up, um, you know, that particular, the Oscar for that, um, that film. You had Frances McDormand also picking up Best Actress for that film as well. So in her role in that film. And she also won... BAFTA, right? She picked up the Bas BAFTA, possibly Golden Globe as well. I'm not sure about the Golden Globe. Um, but she up, yeah, but she picked up BAFTA for, uh, be you know, Best Actress in the Leading Role. Same thing with Oscar. She beat Viola Davis, which that was surprising. I thought Viola Davis would pick it up for Ma Rainey. But again, I I, I watched Ma Rainey and I loved Ma Rainey. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm surprised um, she didn't win it. Um, so Viola Davis, Andra Day for United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand obviously taking it, and Kerry Mulligan um, for Promising Young Woman. So yeah, um, Nomadland won Best Picture as well. So it took Best Picture, it took um, uh, Best Actress in a Leading Role, it, it took Director, um, and I, I'm, not, I'm sure it took some other um, some other... Uh, awards as well but in, in, in terms of the main categories right the big the big categories best picture best director leading actress you know great it it, it, it rocked it took it took quite a lot and then you had best uh, original screenplay which was promising young woman that one then obviously uh, clocked in as well so uh, a lot of brits actually stepping in daniel kaluuya coming in yeah. taking it mm -hmm. no no clark actually mentioned on twitter uh, and it was something that didn't even cross my mind until he mentioned it he's the um daniel kaluuya is the first black british male to win an oscar right no yeah, so it's because looking back, I can't think of any. Oh, hold on, hold on. Chiwetel Ejiofor, did he win? Uh, he won for Twelve Years a Slave, right? I think so. Yes, I think he did. Okay, so if he won Twelve Years a Slave, then then that that doesn't work out. But I guess if he won for Twelve Years a Slave, I need to look into that. Then he's the you know best best actor but for best supporting actor then that's what maybe that's um, i miss i must have misread the, the tweet but it was about daniel kuluya having set a record being the, um the first black british actor to win best supporting character now i know what a lot of people are thinking a lot of people are like wow why do you have to look at the first why do you look at first when people think when people say that in in its and this is not me just this is me throwing an accusation when people say oh why do people have to con consider the first it's usually because you are in a category where you are always first so it's usually white male white men <laughs> white white straight men they will they will complain why do people always like to look at the first black you know you're the first whatever in this niche category well that's because your category always takes it when somebody else's category takes it, let them celebrate. So, yes, I'm happy that I'm very, very happy for Daniel Kaluuya. I, I thought his work in um, Get Out was amazing. I've always really, the first thing I remember ever seeing him in was his episode of uh, Black Mirror, the first season of Black Mirror. I think it was episode two of season one. I can't remember the name of it, but I saw him in there and I was like, this dude has to go places if he doesn't then there there's no justice and what do you say few minute few years later he's got an oscar you're listening to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm i'm marcus e akko and i'm producer dave 
And we're going to carry on with film and TV news by introducing our first guest of today's episode, Daytime Nightmare. Here is Katrina Gray. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we're joined by, uh, by a face, a voice that we haven't spoken to in a very, very long time. She uh, joined us, well, she, she was on our show a couple of years ago, uh, and she told us about the, the film she was making, and then she fled the country. She ran away. She got chased out of the country. She didn't get chased out of the country. She ran to go and make the film, and then she made the film, and then COVID happened. And she seems to be trapped wherever she is. So let us, I'll stop with my intro and I'll let her introduce herself and the name of the film that she's been working on. So please tell us your name and the name of the film that you've been working on for so long. So hi, everybody. My name is Katrina Gray. And the movie that we are talking about, it's called uh, Daytime Nightmare. And uh, it's a psychological thriller drama. And uh, yeah, we have been working on it for over two years, two and a half years. Katrina, now, it's, 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 it's a pleasure to speak to you again. Uh, like I said, we, it was a while ago and um, you, went to, you went to Thailand to go and finish off the movie. Is that correct? Yes, correct. You're, we're talking to you via Zoom. You're looking great as ever. Um, how, tell me, what was the rest of the film shoot like? How did, uh, how did it go? And where's the project at at the moment? Uh, so basically, we, just, uh, we were past, uh, past year. We were working on post-production and uh, we completed in uh, basically end of 2020. And we started right away with the festivals. We got lucky. I think it went well. Um, we are still in the festival run. And uh, so, yeah, so now we are completing the festival run in about two months and then after that distribution. And for people who don't, who I can't recall what the film was about, please tell us what is Daytime Nightmare about? So Daytime Nightmare is uh, basically psychological thriller drama. Uh, Lucy's life changes when her own mind turns against her and her nightmares become her daymares. And uh, it's really um, a story of Lucy and we see it from her point of view. And uh, it's very kind of personal because I put a lot of personal things in it and my own nightmares as well. So kind of autobiography, ah, not really, but you know what I mean? Uh, so I try to really recreate real nightmares in a form of movie and uh, hopefully people can relate to it as well as when they see the, basically the, the, the pod and, and the story of Lucy. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we're joined by uh, uh, actor, writer, director, uh, film producer, Katrina Gray, who has just, who's in the current, who's currently in festival run with her film, uh, a psychological thriller drama, uh, Daytime Nightmare. Uh, so you went to uh, Thailand to uh, produce the film, to, to finish off the film with post-production, et cetera. You shot the film in Thailand as well, is that correct? Yeah, it's a UK, it's basically UK uh, movie, but um, I just did it here, the post-production. So, so just post-production. So what, so with your experience with uh, projects that you've worked in the UK, as well as working in Thailand, what, is, what significant difference have you found with working in Thailand compared to the UK? Uh, well, I always worked, in, especially in Thailand, uh, with the international crews. So difference is really 
none or minimal. Like I would not say there's any difference except the weather and the locations. I guess that's why people come here to shoot because of the beautiful locations. But um, I would say the things are the same um, between both countries, but I like it really here because of locations. <laughs> yeah. Of course. I mean, yeah, the beautiful, stunning locations in uh, in Thailand. I think I, I remember I'm, I, it may be that project or another one that you did where I saw just a couple of clips from it and the locate the scenery was just amazing. Uh, and I guess it's it's sort of like a filmmaker's paradise to go there and be able to use your imagination can run free uh, working on in, in such beautiful, beautiful locations. Um, so with regards to the fact that it's currently in uh, the film festival uh, route, and I know that we're struggling with COVID and lockdown, etc. What for what for you would be your best case scenario for this particular film with the outcome of you know getting it onto either streaming services or in the cinema? What for you would be the best possible outcome for this film? I mean, it would be amazing if if the movie made it into maybe smaller indie uh, theaters in UK, you know, those underground underground ones, but also perhaps in Slovakia, Czech Republic, so they can see the work I've done since I'm, you know, from Slovakia. But um, yeah, I mean, definitely, I would. It would it would be great if the movie ended up on Netflix. It's uh, shot in a quality they they might like, but you never know. I mean. The competition is tough. It's hard to get movie on Netflix. But then uh, I think just ultimate goal, the reason why I actually made this movie and with all of us is to get it out there. So I would be amazing if it ended up in every country in the world, uh, in any kind of streaming service or TV channel. So, so people actually get to see it because many times people, movies get lost in a catalogs and that's exactly what I don't want I don't want to be just um, lost somewhere just like just people can see it and get to see it that's it yeah excellent you're listening to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm I'm Marcus E. Ako I'm producer Dave and just wanted to know how long is the movie Katrina uh, movie is 85 minutes because we were having this debate last week um, with uh, Jed Shepard about the length of movies and why they are as they are. And his movie was, uh, what was it, 55 or 56 minutes? 55 minutes, yes. Jed was saying that movies should be the length of the story, not be padded out just to get to 90 minutes or to two hours, just so it can conform to the, the standards, as it were. How do you feel? Do you, do you feel that as well? Uh, honestly, not really <laughs> because you know like there is a uh, like when you write a script that there's a certain thing uh, you have a beat and then you have, have you know you have a, basically the way the stories are written i think the 90 minutes is perfect but not because uh not because of just some kind of like um standards or anything but because uh like you maybe less than 90 minutes is maybe too short like especially if you are a customer and you pay for something then also the prices would have to be adjusted to the length of the movie you know but uh you want something that you actually spend time with like it also was originally designed i believe or maybe i'm just making it up that you actually spend time in a certain location like when you go to a theater like you want to buy the popcorn you want to buy the things or if you go to these uh dinners where they play the movie like you kind of 
you spend the time with the person or in the location or you order a drink. So I think it's designed to give you full experience. So maybe 60 minutes is quite short and more than 90 minutes, uh, people's attention span is very short, but I don't like long movies, honestly. I just don't like long movies. So 90 minutes is just right. But I would say there, there is a space for this type of short movies, like could be between 40 to 60 minutes. I would call it short movie. Because 10 minutes is not movie for me, it's a scene. Short movie is 40 to 60 minutes. So that's that's my opinion. So I think it has a place like, but if you go to a theater and you pay the price, you don't want to pay for less what you, you know, you don't want to get less for pay. Yeah, right? that, makes, that, that makes sense. And I can understand exactly where you're coming from uh, because obviously depending on the cinema prices, obviously ticket prices yeah. are uh, a lot. And then after you buy popcorn and drinks and everything else, you go and sit there and 30 minutes later, you're done. And then you might feel a little cheated from that. Although now that we're actually on streaming services, you might begin to wonder, well, okay, does that line then sort of blur a little bit where you could say, well, it's a streaming service. I'm already paying $9.99 a month to see all of these type of films. Does the length really have an issue? So I, I think Jed does have a point with regards to that, but I also see your point as well, where basically you do need a certain amount of time to let the story breathe and be told in, in its entirety. 10 minutes you can tell us you can tell a solid story in 10 minutes I, yeah, what you mean by saying it's a, it, a 10 minutes is a scene but you can tell there there are some very good stories that are out there that are told within 10 15 minutes and that's it it's just in out no fat on it whatsoever and it's yeah, perfect that's um, why it's called short story right? yeah and then but, but then i've seen i've seen films i've seen films that i've sat there for three and a half hours watching it and at the end of it i'm like why that is yeah. that that's yeah. that's point you know you've used all of this had you cut down all the slow motion and you taken out that entire scene and you cut out that entire character you get a 90 minute movie and it's a, it's far better for it which is the reason why editors uh, exist so um yeah, but, <laughs> exactly. uh, i think there is a place for these kind of movies but it's just not a feature film but I would say I would create a new way to do that, you know, like a, like a theater with a medium length films, you know, like it can be a new thing in the yes. same time. So I would not place it with the short films. I would not place it with the feature films. I would place it in the medium length films and create something that you can do with it. Like, you know, cafe where you can watch short film, like this Absolutely. kind of, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be movie theater, but something else, you know, create market for it, create the opportunity. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Now you've you finished Daytime Nightmare. It's in the festival circuit. What are you currently working on? What are you working on in the future? Uh, so currently, uh, so basically, the next step for Daytime Nightmare, I will be promoting it, of course, and um, the distribution in terms of Daytime Nightmare and uh, regarding like other projects. So I have now two feature films that I'm trying to take off the ground. It's not easy, but I will do my best. And uh, and uh, also, I'm writing a book. It's a you're writing series. a book, okay? Yes, I'm writing a book. It's uh, called Alter Your Order. It's originally I wanted to write it as a TV series, but I decided like I would just turn it into a book of uh, 15 short stories, like uh, Alfred Hitchcock styles, because it's like a futuristic um, Alfred Hitchcock. So it's all happening in the future and I'm trying to predict the, what, where the technology will go. And, and I want to tell my story, what I think will happen like 50 years from now. 
and uh, just have it out there, you know, and like a back to the future kind of thing, like predicted so many things. So I decided I want to do it with my a book and then you never know later I will turn it into a series. Absolutely. You know? I, I, I'll definitely reach out to you so we can talk more about it on um, on the YouTube channel, The Idiots on the Writer's Block. And and obviously more when you when you get your films off the ground, we would love to have you back on here so we can talk more about your projects because we love having you. We love chatting to you. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today, Katrina. Thank you, All thank right. you so much. And that was our conversation with Katrina Gray talking about her, her film, Daytime Nightmare. She's currently in Thailand and it's obviously doing wonders for her because, yeah, anyway, uh, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko. I'm producer Dave. And this is Spotlight. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko, and I've got with me, uh, he's a face and a voice that you, if, you, if you've been following Facebook quite a bit, you'll see a lot of his videos pop up every now and again. Very, uh, very funny uh, gentleman. Please tell us your name and the name of your, I guess, your, your uh, comedy channel. Uh, my name is Smiley Dave, and uh, my my comedy channel on Facebook is Smiley Dave TV. But uh, usually it's Smiley Dave UK on everything, and uh, yeah, and you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitch uh, under Smiley Dave UK. And now the the video that you did that uh, that caught my attention, and I was like, yes, I'm following it. Is the Capitol riots? Uh, it, it was the the U.S. Capitol riots, and you did a sort of a compilation. Sorry, sorry, it went a bit. Sorry, I'm still here. Can you can you hear me now? This is this is the issue. Uh, yeah, I've just it it goes in and out. <laughs> uh, uh, apologies, and it, it's I think it's it's because of Zoom, and that's the thing when Zoom okay. s- starts interrupting. But let me know if I cut out at various points. So, the video that you did that caught my attention was during the Capitol riots. Uh, and you did sort of a, a, a connection, a, a, a compilation of different reactions and so on to the aftermath of the riots. And uh, the bit I really loved was where you you were talking about the solo police officer who was sort of slowing things down as the as the mob were coming towards. And then you see the uh, the the so you see the reveal, if you will, of these other police officers that came from behind. And it's your reaction. You made a comment saying it was like a Christopher Nolan film. And I was like, that's it. You've you've hit every single part that, that makes me laugh. I'm following you. So I've been checking videos. <laughs> so tell me, um, what got you into doing what it is that you do? Uh, well, it started, I mean, I've been making videos for quite some time, but for, for companies. So I, I did it for um, a, a a student voucher company. And then I started doing it for a big social media company um, called The Hook, who were, you know, they've got millions and millions of followers. And I was creating all this this content for them. And it was getting them, uh, the first bit of content I created for them was they, they someone had a rabbit video, a compilation of rabbit videos. And I did a little bit of voice acting in my past. So I just, I said, well, hang on a second, get them yawning, get all the ones of them yawning and then give it to me. And I came back 20 minutes and gave them the screaming rabbit uh, compilation 
which uh, it, it ended up getting, uh, I think, about 31 million views over everything, which is like, <laughs> it's just pretty crazy. On TikTok, I think it did 16 million and various other things on, on other things they were. And uh, yeah, and, and ever since then, um, people have asked, been asking me why I keep working with people and not doing it for myself. Um, but seeing I, as lockdown happened and uh, I, I was made, we were all made redundant. Um, uh, the uh, the opportunity came available and I saw that people were getting very miserable and unhappy of seeing all these idiots protesting at the start of uh, of COVID, right at the start. Like they, it hadn't even sunk in properly and uh, the people were getting their heads up on it. And I wanted to make people feel better. So I started taking these interviews and videos of crazy people and just just uh, just deconstructing it, taking it apart a little bit, and which led to... Um, covering news stories like the Capitol riots, I, it's it's very frenetic the way you, with your editing style, and it's it just it really it, it just it it you zoned in straight away into my what what just tickles me nonstop. So I, I love watching. I love the voices that you do as well. You do certain <laughs> characters where you flick from one bit to the next, and I'm like, you know what? You just it's like get out of my head. You're reading your you're reading the joke before as soon as I think of a joke that comes up, you do it. I'm like, stop, stop it. <laughs> Um, so you started doing this and you, you've, you, you're big on Facebook, you're big on um, TikTok as well. Uh, for people who are interested in going into comedy, what kind of advice do you, can you give? Sorry, I just muted myself there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, I just, well, I just Zoom's went. Zoom's just being rude now. Yeah, rude, yeah, Zoom's like, no, no, you talk too much, please. Let yeah. him. Um, so advice that you can give to comedians who, or, you know, up and coming comedians, as you said, COVID has basically shut everybody down. People are being made redundant. And so you've stepped in to make people laugh. Uh, what advice can you give to people who are trying to get into the um, creative avenue as you have, the creative space? What kind of advice can you give to people who are looking to do that? Uh, write, write as much as you can. Find a subject and try and write as many jokes about it. And if you can, get down to a comedy club when they're available. Just do your five minutes, do a 10, do, just do five minutes. That's all it is. It, it seems like a lot when you're up there. Five minutes is a long time. If you try talking about yourself for a minute, it's quite difficult for, for most people. So talking about something for five minutes, learn it off by heart, but go down there and see how what happens because you'll end up changing your style your voice needs to be found you need to find your voice and to do that you need to put yourself in awkward positions awkward situations strange uh atmospheres and um doing stand-up you'll find yourself uh coping with with situations you didn't think you'd be able to cope with um but not giving up is also just so important um, I, 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 fortunately, fortunately, and fortunately, my first two stand-ups I ever did went really well. So I had a, I had a beverage for my third. You think it's easy? I bombed so hard, so it led me for an absolute yes. It was, it was quite a fall when you, uh, <laughs> when you think it's so easy. So yeah, the third, third time was, was not the charm. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm here with, uh, I guess I can call you a comedian. Comedian Smiley Dave. Sorry, I, that sounded very patronizing the way I said it. I guess I could call you a comedian. No, you are, you are very, you're a very funny guy. Uh, you have Smiley Dave UK, which so far I've caught you on Facebook, but you're also available on Instagram and TikTok, uh, and you've been doing some stand-up shows. Now, I want to ask you, as a comedian, uh, uh, if, if for somebody who is constructing a joke, 
if they want to be able to construct a joke to make sure that it lands. What sort of rules about comedy can you give as advice to somebody who wants to tell a joke or wanting to be funny? What rules should they follow? Um, I, I, I put the rule of three and the rule of 11 is very important. You either do it for, you either do a joke, you either have that rule of three where, you know, it's, it's it, it, you know, uh, he collected cats, dogs, and hamsters. It's always, always three. Either that or go overboard and just go to like 11, 12, 13, 14, really milk it. Like get that awkwardness until it's funny again. That's always quite fun. But um, stick to the, to the rule of uh, set up conflict. Um, and instead of going resolution, which a normal story arc would be, go for misdirection. Go for something like just, just, cause just go, just have some fun with it. Um, but yeah, but the main thing is find your voice. Find your voice by going out there, telling jokes. And the more you tell the same joke, the more you'll tell it in a different way. And then you'll then you'll hear your voice. Then you'll hear how you should be sounding, how 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 jokes will be coming from you from now on. And people will, will respond to that honestly. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Because one of the reasons I'm asking that question is for the YouTube channel, uh, the edit on the writer's block that I'm doing. I'm the next video I want to do, which is coming out this week, is going to be about comedy and novels. So I'm interviewing a lot of people, uh, comedians especially, to ask them sort of how do they craft a joke so I can include that in the novel writing, right? So if you're doing that, but it also applies to if you're doing stand-up comedy or if you're presenting, if you're doing anything, the rules as you pointed out quite correctly obviously your setup you know your conflict your conflict is where the comedy comes from i guess mm. and and go from there so speaking of that what is you know your inspiration where do you get uh, who have, who has inspired you who has come before you as a comedian uh, or as uh, in the in the space either in the space that you're you're doing or in stand up comedy or in films or in books who has inspired you to become the comedian that you are my so uh, my dad used to have all these old videos of VHS comedians um, um, of you know uh, the Les Dawson's the the I mean <laughs> some questionable comedians like there would be that would be around nowadays um, mm. but it was it wasn't until I saw I think and it's the most most times I've watched any other video is uh, uh, Richard Pryor and it's the red live in concert the red one and his storytelling ability when he when he i know that in comedians in general count it as you know he is one of the great he is the greatest he's the, he's the goat but his storytelling ability by providing voices for dogs like no one was providing a voice for a dog like and, and people were just like yeah it was blown away and it was amazing and i think i've watched that that stand up so many times and since then uh the likes of bill burr um, Louis C.K. before that thing happened. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, there are uh, there are some great stuff. Doug Stanhope, uh, some dark comedians as well. Um, but uh, I, I, yeah, those are the people that I, I look up to now and I see them and I see their storytelling ability. And I see uh, Bill Burr especially very, very close to me because he is a, he's a student of comedy. He absolutely loves every different types of comedy. And he tries to uh, do uh, like the same, same thing as I do is I, I, I see someone else's style of comedy and I think, oh, that's interesting. Like even if it's um, someone building up, someone, someone like Stuart Lee who builds up and builds up and builds up and just says the same thing over and over. I think, well, could I try that out in a different space? Like, is there a way I could try out that sort of comedy just to just to see what it feels like or um, 
or just to see if I can learn from it. Maybe I learn a new technique. In my la- a video I've got coming out, um, I do a massive misdirection, which work- works in stand-up, but I don't know if it works in video. So I'm excited to see if that uh, yields a return. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm speaking with Smiley Dave from Smiley Dave UK. You can catch his comedy on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. And as soon as comedy uh, stores and comedy uh, venues open up, I assume you're going to be heading back on stage. Is that correct? Uh, well, it wasn't until uh, I, I actually stopped doing stand-up about two, three years ago. I, I, um, I, did a, I, I performed at a place called Up the Creek, and one of my shows was <laughs> my my show was taken from that night where I received a standing ovation. It was my first ever one. And I stopped after that night because uh, someone, um, a producer from Radio, a producer uh, from a company made a show for Radio 4 that was literally all about that. And they recorded it up the, up the creek three to four weeks later. And um, yeah, I thought, well, I might as well stop. Was Stop that doing stand up? Was that was that done with you or with your consent or was it just no. literally they just lifted your material? Lifted my material. It was actually wow. from someone that was considered a national treasure. I won't I won't say the name, but um, it was yeah, it was quite a surprise uh, verbatim some of the, some of the jokes, and um, but I, I stopped doing comedy. I stopped doing stand up after that, thinking well, if my stuff's going to get out there, then you know. Um, What's might as well point? be coming from you, right? So yeah, yeah, might as well. well yeah, well, that's uh, so. I, so I stopped and I started making videos because I was like, right, this this is how you get intellectual property because you will lose jokes. You'll have jokes stolen from you left, right, and center in this business. But uh, eventually, something will happen, and uh, hopefully, I can I can be a, a testament to that. <laughs> and that's great because you actually you, you kind of answered a question that I had as well because uh, the people who follow stand up comedians and stand up comedy uh, and the world of stand up comedy, which I do quite a quite a lot, uh, you get to hear about all of those kind of scandals about people who whose jokes have been stolen. Uh, Carlos Mencia was one of the big characters in America where he, he, he made it really big. He had network television, network TV shows. He became a huge franchise himself. And then Joe Rogan pretty much burst into the scene because he exposed uh, Carlos Messia. He was the one comedian that, to stand up against him to say, look, you've been stealing people's uh, jokes. And that essentially was, it, it even became parodied in uh, South Park, the episode with uh, Cartman and, and the, uh, the fish sticks uh, joke where Carlos Messia then steals it and gets killed by Kanye West. Uh, but and, and then there are others as well with rumors about Amy Schumer and so on and so forth. So for an aspiring comedian who who is afraid of something like that, what kind of advice would you give to someone who is worried about the potential of a hard crafted joke being stolen and them not giving credit, them not being given credit for it. First of all, Rogan and Carlos, that meeting where, where Rogan actually calls them out live on stage is absolutely superb. It's one of the best things you'll ever see on YouTube. Um, but uh, there is such a thing as parallel thinking. Um, so you can have a joke. There'll be certain things that go on in the world. Um, you know, I'll see a joke that's on the uh, t- uh, last week tonight with John Oliver. And I'll go, oh, I came up. I-, I did that joke the other day. But there's in no way is that going to be able to get across the, 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 the Atlantic. You don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, there's such a thing as parallel thinking. So some people will come up with the same jokes. It is possible. Um, not so much the same set. Like there, there's definitely wording that, that comes into it. But you, if, if you're 
you, you can't be worried that people will steal your jokes. What you have to just remember is that every joke you tell is the you're getting closer to telling your best joke, your great joke that will get you noticed that you can only tell. Um, so people can steal jokes and they will get found out. You know, as much as Amy Schumer's had a great career, she's not very well respected in the. Uh, in <laughs> I mean, she did Ellen's joke about eating popcorn starting to with her fingers, face to, to her, her face, face yep. on her show. <laughs> the, the the gall, the the the, the yeah. So um, um, so yeah. So just keep. So don't worry about people stealing your jokes. Keep making jokes. Keep writing, and you, you will you will make it. You will you will find your voice, and people will remember you. I had this idea for a short film a while ago, uh, which was it, it, essentially the film starts off with this really funny guy at work. And he, you can just see him just make, like uh, making a whole bunch of people laugh and flirting and whatnot. And he's telling jokes, very good jokes and whatnot. And he goes into the car park and he gets, he gets captured and kidnapped. Right. And he's being tortured by this other guy who it turns out used to work at the company, but then he's gone in. He's been he's described as he's gone insane. And it, it reveals in the torture sequence, because he's interrogating this the popular guy, it turns out that he has an idea that this guy has been stealing his jokes from him. The problem is the jokes are formulating in his head just before the other guy seems to tell the joke and gets all the laughs, right? So he, at first it was like, oh, it was a coincidence. And then it built and it built and it built. And then the big reveal is that the popular guy actually has a time machine. And what he does is every time that guy tells a joke that kills, he turns back time and he tells that joke before the guy gets to tell the joke. And it's slowly been driving the other guy insane so to the point where he loses his job because he snapped at that point because that's what it is. And that's and essentially he, that's, that's the, the I, had, I didn't finish the idea, but if anybody wants to steal that idea, feel free to take it. That's but, great. That's got sort of Nolan illusionist uh, the, with the uh, that sort of feel to it. Like, that's yeah. wonderful. That's great. Hey, so, so that's <laughs> the idea that I had. Uh, but it, it's I, I, I have always said this on the show. I have the greatest respect of uh, for stand-up comedians who will stand up on stage and bear their soul and just basically tell a joke and just you are you are risking bombing right like you said right it's oh, like yeah. if, you know you you say a joke it doesn't land and people just don't laugh and even worse you start getting heckled right i don't know if which is worse being heckled or just the silence i think the silence is worse because every you become the worst heckler yourself once someone heckles and there's a little bit of laughter you can use that to your advantage to either try and you know make another joke on the heckle or just basically turn on that person. And then you, you have that catharsis, but just the silence and the crickets is <laughs> worse. I, I, I've always wanted to go and do it, but I've never had the courage to be able to go and do that. And I, I applaud you, sir, for the fact that you can, you're, you're, you're happy to do that. Now, as you're moving into now broadcasting your own comedy, doing it on TikTok and Instagram, uh, what obstacles did you face uh, in when you started and that you still face at the moment that others who might want to follow that path can avoid, leap over and deal with so that they don't get stuck with it? Um, I mean, it's, it's not so much get stuck with, but it's very much uh, the lulls, the, uh, when, it, when it gets, you get one, you get one, <laughs> one bit of good luck and then you expect it each time. And it's just, it's just not the case. Uh, in fact, I got banned from Facebook for, re for so someone actually scammed my, my Facebook page and I, I ended up getting banned for a month. I'm, <laughs> they pretended to be me 
Uh, it was quite impressive the whole the whole the, how it went down. But um, I, I don't really think mentally like there are some times there are definitely days where I get writer's block and you're just like there there you know I have some footage or a video and I'm just like this this would be amazing and I look at it and for some reason it's just not happening. It's just not happening. There's just not. Like when it comes to, to I, I like writing, I like writing jokes. I like writing sitcoms. I'm, I'm currently um, doing something in, in the way of that at the moment. Um, but I, and that's fun. Just coming up with that formula of uh, yeah, the, the, the normal story arc. But when you get a video and you get someone, you're reacting to it and you're finding the best, best words and you're, you're just cutting it down. But um, so I, I don't know. It's, yeah, just having those days, just not beating yourself up so much on the days um, where you're, you're not writing, you're not at your best. You're not coming up with jokes that you think would be really easy. Um, you know, there's lots of factors from, from the moon to, uh, to, to, to hormones, to everything that could be the, the reason. Something going on in your life, something happening, something that's in your house. Um, but you, you've just gotta, you've just gotta just, I just calm down, take that day off. Just take that day off. Do something else. I suggest doing something creative. If people, I, I love, I love gaming. I have to stop myself from gaming. I've got myself a guitar, just to stop myself from gaming. Do something else creative. Please keep yourself in that space, and it will come back. But there will be times where there is just a little bit of a lull, um, which you know for me has lasted for two weeks sometimes, which is a long time to to leave people hanging and not have um, content to put out there. Speaking of which, I was going to ask, how long does it take for you? Do, uh, do you post regularly uh, on a particular schedule? And if so, or if not, how long does it take you to come up with the average video? The average video takes me about two days to come up with. So I'll, I'll look at the video. Um, so if we take one of the, the Karen videos um, I've got, the, the Capital Right one, I think I came up with that in a day. It happened the day before and... Um, because I, I don't know, under pressure, I work really well. And I, when I, when I, uh, so that was, and that was a straight um, like 18, 19 hour project where I, I saw what's happened. I thought that's going to be huge. There's got to be some footage of it. The footage was, in, was, there was lots of it. There was lots to pick from. There's some observational comedy that I could have used that could really, uh, you know, I, I could really use to my advantage. Um, uh, sorry, I forgot where I was. <laughs> Um, no worries, no worries. So, you, um, how long it takes for you to make a video? You oh, talk about the fact that you gather your, your videos, yeah. So, with the capital right one, because uh, it's called newsjacking. So that that's that content. It's called newsjacking, it's where you jump on a news story and you make you, you make jokes about it. Um, and that was one. Of, so that had a time limit. I had to be the first one to get a video out there, and I was pretty much the the first one. Everyone else, the, especially America, because the presenters had to take it with a lot more of a serious tone where I realized that it was a serious like situation, but through seriousness, there has to be a way to alleviate that pressure or that worry that people find. So I was, so I took that 19 hours, didn't sleep, put it up. <laughs> I was for the first uh, eight hours of that video, as it climbed past the half a million, um, it, uh, I, I was asleep. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on because I had just finished it at about uh, seven o'clock, half seven in the morning, did all the the the, the titles and the the hashtags. It's <laughs> hoping that I didn't misspell anything. Uh, put out there, but usually three days. But for when it's a big video, you know this is going to be a big thing. 
um, yeah, yeah, a space of 24 hours. I did, or however long it takes me to make it. I can, I can only dream to have one of my videos hit even half a million. So you're, you're obviously you've hit, you've hit, um, you've hit a nerve, you've hit a point that people love, people enjoy your videos. I enjoy watching your videos and I wish to continue watching them as well for the, everyone who is just finding about you for the, finding out about you for the first time. How can people find you? How can people follow you? How can people watch your stuff? Uh, well, I am uh, available every Wednesday uh, and Sunday live on Twitch. Um, I also do a thing called a midweek waffle, which I did throughout lockdown to help people um, stay sane and just to break up the week and do a, a live comedy on Facebook. But uh, but usually all the all the Smiley Dave UKs, so Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch uh, Twitch TV for the live stuff. But yeah. Smiley Dave, thank you very, very much for joining us on Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. Thank you, Marcus. And that was Spotlight uh, for, with, uh, we're doing, I guess we're, all our spotlights these days seem to be comedy-based. Well, not just comedy-based, but we're getting more comedians coming in, which is great because I like to laugh and I like people laughing as well. And that was our, our interview with Smiley Dave, the comedian Smiley Dave from Smiley Dave UK. You can check out his website. It's smileydave.com. He has a lot of very funny compilation videos where he does analysis, uh, comedic analysis on various things that are happening. Go check him out. He's on that website. He's also on Facebook, TikTok, Twitch, and all of the social media sites. Very funny guy. You have been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. We want to thank you all very much for tuning in on Resonance FM, as well as downloading the podcast uh, that comes out on Monday. Thank you all very much, because uh, if you if you don't keep listening, we just stop babbling and we stop making noise and we just go and sit in a hole somewhere and uh, talk to ourselves. And that's not healthy. It's not. Not at all. I have been Marcus E. Ako. I'm still producer day thank thank you all very much for listening and we'll chat to you all again next week bye 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 <laughs>